Hey, this is the Catalyst, and today's episode is all about pleasure. That is what we are focusing on. And pleasure and sexual, or rather sexualities, is one of those things where you want to engage with people that are not only experts in what they do, but also people who carry a sense of warmth and a sense of openness and a sense of helping you along a thing where it is kind of interesting to reference to yourself as a sex expert because what does that essentially mean? And I am so glad to have today as my guests, Tayomi Morgan and Celine Manning. Tayomi is a fantastic sexologist. She is globally renowned, has been featured in Vogue, Ebony, Huffington Post, um, you name it, as an amazing, amazing woman to look out for in this subject. And Celine Manning runs Sex with Bodies, which is an online platform that really focuses on owning your confidence, your purpose, and really, really exploring, exploring as far as you can, as comfortably as you can, your sexuality. So without further ado, I would like to get into it. Just to note, however, as well, um, I recorded this when I was on holiday in Lamu in a remote island. And so the sound quality is a little bit, I wouldn't say iffy, but yeah, (laughs) it doesn't sound exactly as clear as it would if I was in the city. But the content is amazing. The guests are amazing. And I'm sure you're going to have an amazing time. I am so excited about this podcast because I have been your fan for years, Tayomi. And I am so excited because I get to introduce you, um, you know, to my audience. I wouldn't even say it's a new audience to you because a lot of the people that I spoke to actually know who you are. But ladies and gentlemen, I would love to introduce you to sex expert Tayomi Morgan who's better known as Glamazon Tayomi, and she's an international pleasure coach who I love to to say taught me how to ride. (laughs) You know, which which sounds, (laughs) yeah, which sounds crazy, but it's true. It's just one of those things you imagine would naturally and organically um, be something that you would know how to do, but actually it isn't. So I am very glad to have you here. Thank you so much for taking your time um, to talk to us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I love the podcast, especially um, podcast. When I hear that people are fans of mine, it makes me feel really good. I'm like, ah, yes, I'm doing the work in this world. So thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Excellent. So I know that people don't know this, but actually, Taomi sent me a long menu of, you know, things that we could discuss. Um, and I wanted to discuss everything on that list because it was amazing. But because we have such a short amount of time and because we are lucky enough to have you actually share your work on platforms outside of mine, I picked three specific areas that I wanted to focus on. And so my first question is, I love that part of your work is connecting spirituality with sexuality. And is your practice of Tantra rooted in African traditions? And if not, um, what is your focus on tantric sex? 
So my focus on tantric sex is actually rooted in um, Chinese Taoism and Tibetan tantra. And I am certified in a specific modality of tantra called Auth Tantra, which is a blend of Taoism, Neota, Hindu Tantra, Tibet Buddhist Tantra, and um, some somatic healing practices. And it was created in um, the founder, Ward Erickson. She is a black woman. And I'm super excited about that because it has the only Tantra school in the world that's actually accredited by the government. And it's seen as um, an, an official healing modality. So there are a lot of different types of uh, Tantra that's practiced throughout the world. And I've always been drawn to um, just like the, the Asian forms of Tantra, which all of it really goes back to the spirit. So for me, you know, I am interested in delving into other forms of Tantra, especially African forms, um, because there's, there's just so much to know. And I always feel like when it comes to working in the spirit or when it comes to working with energy, um, having as many tools in your toolbox as possible is better than just having like one way of doing things. Sometimes certain um, practices may clash with others just because they use different different energy systems in the body because there are so many different chakras that you can work in and work with. Um, but I've just been drawn to Tantra like my whole life. I started doing research and searching for the spiritual aspects of sex when I was a teenager. That led me to the Kama Sutra um, which is credited as the oldest like manual for lovemaking in the world. Um, there are some Egyptian forms of Tantra that I think actually predates the Kama Sutra. But the mm -hmm. Kama Sutra gets most of the, the accolades for being the oldest form of uh, like a sex manual. But yeah, I, I've always had that goal of introducing people to sex from like in the way that I communicate it. And then once they once they've gotten familiar with me and they've gotten comfortable with the basics, then bringing them into the spiritual aspect of things. Um, because what I've found in my practice is that a lot of people are just still really like on the big level of understanding when it comes to sex because they're still working on digging their sexuality out from under oppression and depression, suppression. And so when it comes to talking about using your sexual energy to reach divinity or to heal yourself, that's a concept that seems so foreign to people because they can't even talk about sex just out in the open with themselves or even just write it down in their journal or in a journal if they journal at all. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy to represent and the spiritual side of using sex for healing. See, people often conflate Tantra with Tantric sex. Tantric sex is a tool that is used the act of Tantra. Tantra can be um, practiced sexually and non-sexually, and it can also be practiced solo or with a partner. The Tantric sex is the tool that's used to heal. And tantra in itself is a spiritual practice.
practice. So I always encourage people if they hear the word Tantra, because it's such a buzzword right now, that they do their research because there are so many different forms that you can practice. And unfortunately, like us in this world, Tantra has also been kind of stolen by a group of people who adding things that's not really based in any like lineage. Yeah, I think like Tantra is such a buzzword right now. And there are people who are ready to move out of the space of just using sex for like escapism or acceptance, sympathy, like all of the, all of the, the reasons that may not necessarily serve your highest good. And so some people are searching for something deeper, um, a deeper connection in sex. And I always say, do your research because there's just so many different styles of Tantra and, you know, Taoism may not resonate with you, but a form of African Tantra may resonate with your spirit. And so what my mentor has always told me is that Tantrikas, which are those who practice Tantra, aren't made, they're, bo they're, they're born. So if you have this draw to, to Tantra, you've done this work at some point in time in your life and um, you're searching for something deeper, you're searching for a deeper connection. So highly recommend that people do their research um, before trying to like delve into practices because you are working in the spirit, you are working in the energy body. And if you don't know how to properly do some of the techniques that are being presented, it can cause some complications in your energy. Um, if you do reach a point where there's like a blockage and you don't know how to move, remove the block. So working with um, a, a practitioner who is skilled in the form of Tantra that you want to take on is highly recommended. Amazing. Um, I know you can't see me right now, but I'm literally like nodding along to everything that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just one of those things like when you grow up African, um, it's very difficult for you to separate yourself from spirituality in any facet of your life. And mm -hmm. it, it's been quite an interesting journey to grow up in a space in which a lot of our sexuality is actually dictated. It's what you said, you know, it's repression, oppression, um, all of these things, but based around two very specific Abrahamic religions in Africa, and that's Islam and Christianity, and mm -hmm. finding our way, wading through that and trying to find our way within our own traditions has been so difficult, but also within the idea of discovering what pleasure means for not just ourselves, but also from an individual capacity. And I just wanted to know what that journey looked like for you, you know, as somebody who has or seems to be doing this pretty well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I actually grew up in the Baptist church. Um, so as a Christian, a Baptist Christian, and my my connection to the creator has always been strong. You know, I've heard the voice for as long as I can remember. I remember being a baby in diapers. <clears throat> the first time I ever heard God's voice was up. I have a twin sister and we were fighting over a stuffy that was in a box in the corner of our room. And I found it first. So I was just like, oh, you know, this is mine. 
And she saw it and she wanted it and she snatched it out of my hand and I snatched it back. And like at the moment I snatched it back, my mom walks in the room and my sister starts crying and she's like, give it back to her. <laughs> and so I remember mm -hmm. feeling very slighted, like what, that was mine first. But then I heard a voice in my head say, it's okay, you both can share it. There's nothing wrong. You know, the stuffy is still there. Don't feel upset. You didn't do anything wrong. Neither did your mother. And I was like, huh, okay. And then I instantly like felt comforted. So I've always heard that voice. And then my mother, like there were things about the world, questions that I had at a very young age that no one could really explain to me. Um, and of course, as I got older and started to learn more, I, a lot of those answers came to me. But um, my, my mother raised us in the Baptist church and there was a lot of messaging around sexuality that always made me feel very uncomfortable um, because I just had this draw to sex at a very young age. And I would always remember the pastor talking about um, the different like women in the Bible, especially Mary Magdalene, who I think actually she, Mary Magdalene and Yeshua, Jesus Christ, actually practiced an Egyptian form of Tantra. And I'm reading a book right now about it, which is so amazing. Um, and so, but those are things that Christianity didn't want you to know. So they marked her as basically a harlot and a whore instead of who she really is, which is a high priestess in the order of Isis. Um, and so I always just felt like, wow, if you're condemning these people in the Bible and even like, you know, their messaging around homosexuality, because deep down inside, I always knew that I, I wasn't like straight, straight. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm a pansexual, so I'm attracted to energy. I'm attracted to people. And um, when I would hear messaging about gays, it would just make me feel very uncomfortable because I knew that there were so many people in the church who were gay. And it didn't make sense to me that the God that we all loved and served would actually condemn us for being who we are if he created us this way. So it took some time for me to come from under that religious programming to really embrace myself and embrace my sexuality. For the longest time, I was afraid to masturbate because I thought I was going to be punished for it. Um, and it, I, I like to say, you know, I entered into sexual activity when I was eight years old because I started masturbating then. Um, but I stopped because of what the church was saying, you know what I mean? Mm. And I had to break away from the church. I'm not even going to lie. I, when I came back to Chicago from college, I decided, you know what? The church, for some reason, is just not sitting well in my spirit. I need to go a different route. And so I started to, you know, my, my relationship with God is always there, has always been there. But I turned away from the religious upbringing that I knew. And I kept the principles that really felt true in my heart and just started delving into, you know, metaphysical sciences and Tantra and just, you know, spirituality. Because I've always had these gifts that no one in my family could really explain to me what they were, except for my grandmother. She just kind of gave me a little nugget and was like, oh, you have gifts, you know? Um, but 
religion definitely represses a lot of people. And what's interesting is that I have clients and, and fans and followers who live in areas on the earth where sexual like sexual repression is so high like the high islamic states like saudi arabia um and even certain countries in africa and it's interesting because they have these desires right and they're natural and they're innate but they punish themselves so much because of what their religion tells them about their sexuality and i i think it's really sad that we live in a world where what God gave us naturally to reach divinity, to reach our, our highest selves, is being condemned as something that shouldn't be interacted with or it should only be interacted with in a certain way. And, you know, Christianity and Islam, they both of these religions really shy away from anything that has to do with the body. So when it comes to you really connecting to spirit through body, that's not what they want. It's like everything is existential. Everything is outside of you um, when God has given us everything within. So my journey has been a long one. And I like to say I'm still, even in my 30s now, like I've been uh, doing this work for nine years. Um, but even before I started doing sexuality work as a profession, um, I was still exploring and studying. And so for the last decade, I, I've been overcoming the religious programming and it just, it's layered. You know, when you've been practicing a certain religion for most of your life, it's not just going to turn around overnight. And that's what I want people who out there who may be listening that are in a space now where they feel like they want to explore, but maybe they're scared because they don't know if God's gonna love them or, you know, if they're still gonna be seen as upright in the eyes of of their creator. I just want you to know, like, you're doing the right thing by going with the desires of your heart because your your desires lead right into the heart of God. And that's how God wants to express itself through you. So I completely understand if you feel fear around moving out of those spaces because of the communities that you're in. Because I think a lot of times we base our decisions about ourselves, especially when it comes to religion, on the communities, the religious communities that we are a part of, instead of really thinking about, okay, what do I want? What's gonna make me happy? But it's gonna be a process. Um, you may wake up today and say, okay, I'm gonna push past these fears and these repressions and I'm gonna start exploring. But there's gonna be so much stuff that's gonna come up as you make new discoveries about yourself and your sexuality and just like the, the full spectrum that sexuality has to offer out there. And so just be gentle with yourself, be patient with the process and just know that on the other side of that is complete freedom. Amazing. Um you know, you're right in that a lot of this holds a lot of fear for people in exploring their sexuality, but also exploring spiritualities that aren't Christianity or Islam. And I just, and even if you do choose to explore it within Christianity and Islam, you know, as you said with your example with Mary Magdalene, what are some of the interesting ways in which people can explore rewriting, which is like, you know, owning the narrative, rewriting the narrative, 
but also rewriting it, which is to make correct. Because mm-hmm. I feel like one of the ways in which organized religion works is to actually distort interpretations. And mm-hmm. it might not necessarily be that it is actually Christian principle or it is actually Islamic principle. It's that for organized religion to work, for control to work, um, especially mm-hmm. when you don't have an army, and <laughs> which is essentially the church um, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the mosque, it's it's that you need to control people. You need to control. You need to control them through shame. You need to control them through feeling. Um, yeah, actually, it's, it's shame. It's fear. It's shame. It's all of these things. And so, what are some of the tools that you can use to actually rewrite and rewrite and rediscover? Um, what spirituality means for you, especially as far as sexuality is concerned, without necessarily moving away from what is your religious background, which could be Christianity, which could also be Islam. It's really about expanding your mind into other pieces of work that are rooted in God principles. Um, And that's the main thing, because you don't have to turn away from your love for God. You don't have to turn away from um, whatever practice you have, but it's really filling into yourself and asking yourself, is what is being said to me, or is this text really in alignment with love or God principles? Are these, is, is this messaging really supportive of my peace, of my freedom? Does it create ease in my life? And so it's not questioning God because you know God, you feel God in your heart, you know when God is real. But it's really questioning the doctrine that is being presented to you. Because as you said, you know, a lot of this stuff has been interpreted and over and over again, you know, things are taken out, things are added in. And you have to look at it. I mean, anything, any source that would seek to repress a particular sect of people, um, Women, for instance, you know, there's a lot of rules in both of these religions that really single women out, but Mm. you really don't see or even hear often those same rules being applied to men. So that's something that you have to question. And again, you're not questioning God, you're questioning the doctrine. And what's what's worked for me, too, is just expanding my search outside of the the text of Christianity, for instance, like outside of the Bible. I always felt like there's something missing here. This can't be the end all be all. This is not God's only words. And so that led me to A Course in Miracles that led me to The Way of Mastery, which both are, are two books that were created from channeling. So there were two conduits that received messages from Yeshua ben Joseph, who is an ascended being. Um, It's just that Christianity gets his story kind of wrong. It doesn't tell the full story of of who he is um, and his purpose here. It just tells a part of it. Um, And so both of these texts have helped me to really focus in on what matters most, which are love principles, God principles, and (laughs) they've made my way straight. And Mm. in both of these texts, sex is brought up, 
money is brought up, all of those those things in our lives that we see as deterrents away from our, our spiritual practice or from our connection to the creator. Um, and it's just so interesting, like the perspectives that I've received. And then um, being led to the Magdalene manuscript, that really just blew my mind to know that Yeshua, Ben Joseph, and his partner, Mary Magdalene, were practicing Tantra, and that the Mother Mary was also um, a high priestess in the Order of Isis. So they were practicing Egyptian Tantra, and these are, you know, Christian folk, you know what I mean? Um, mm. And so being led to these texts really just opened my mind and it made me realize like, oh, okay, so the Bible that we read today has has been watered down and has been basically tailored. I would just like to ask how freeing it has been for you to just go on this journey. Um, because I think for a lot of people it's about not just freedom of expression, but even freedom of self-discovery freedom mm -hmm. of joy freedom of love i think about it even in the sense of and i know that a lot of this text is aimed at controlling women but i also feel like it controls a lot of desire for men as well where they're mm -hmm. they're brought up to take and so you have all of these men wanting to pleasure somebody but because they just don't know and the partner is also sort of like groomed and trained to just please we're not having the necessary conversations Mm hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And the journey has been so freeing for me. Um, I just feel like people who have a deep sense and connection to their sexuality, they walk throughout life with a different like perspective and confidence. Um, and it's interesting because I hear this often when it comes to gay people. People mm. who are heterosexual, straight, they look at they look at people who are queer or gay, and they say they just seem so free. And they and my friends who are queer, they always say, because I know who I am. And so when your sexuality is repressed, this is a big part of you. You know, you were brought here into this realm through the power of sexual energy. And so when you yourself can't connect to that, you're missing a big piece of like the catalyst of your life, um, you know, had to plug that in there. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just, it's such an amazing feeling when you know who you are mm. in every aspect of the word, knowing of, of the phrase, knowing who you are. And also understanding that who you are at your core is love. You are a child of God. And your experiences here in this life are going to shift and change. So your perspective, even of yourself, is going to shift and change as you begin to, to pull back those layers of repression and trauma and all the things that you've experienced over the course of your life. As you pull back those layers, it's going to be new discoveries. And so it's exciting because you'd be on this journey for the rest of your life. And that's what I've told myself early on. 
And so it's a cool thing because when I discover something new myself, I'm just like, oh, wow, okay, this is great. And then also just embracing and accepting myself in the moment when something that I was used to no longer serves me and just letting that go and allowing myself to be open to for something new to enter. It's that process has taken me some time to really embrace and adopt because I have traditionally been very stubborn <laughs> and impatient. Um, but over the course of really opening up my life to pleasure and knowing mm. that pleasure is my birthright and that I have a right to experience it in every form, not just sexual pleasure, but spiritual pleasure, emotional pleasure, and sensual pleasure. It just, I, I feel into life, I think a lot deeper than the average person where I can derive joy out of the littlest of things. And I, I really attribute that to just that space of surrender. When you know that your life is not your own, that God is literally living through you and wants to express itself through you. And so when you surrender to that, then you allow God to flow more freely through you, which allows you to connect to life in a deeper way because you understand that literally, like at the end of it, all control is in God's hands. <laughs> we have control over um, certain things, but where my life is going in the path is definitely driven by God, but just, just knowing that I can connect to pleasure and that my body is wired for pleasure and that pleasure brings great benefits to mind, body, and spirit, That that is a gift that will, will be gifting you forever. And I'm just so happy that I'm in this space to not only be able to live like that, but teach others how to reach that space as well. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, you know, and I just, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time out today. And, you know, for everybody who's always struggled with, you know, the idea that you shouldn't be having sex. And then when you do start to have sex, that you're not doing it well enough. <laughs> um, I strongly suggest that you follow, you follow Tayomi on all the platforms on Twitter on Instagram, especially on YouTube, um, because she gives the most amazing tutorials, um, confidence speeches <laughs> that I have ever seen. Yes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking your time out today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this conversation. I'm so happy that I get to reach the people who listen to you. I'm so proud of you and so excited about what you have going on. And I'm looking forward to seeing how everything just grows and blossoms. You, you're amazing. I just love your energy. <laughs> I love your spirit. So thank you so much for including me. Ah, oh, bless. Thank you so much, Tayomi. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Celine, <laughs> I came across your Instagram account when I was looking for people to follow around content on sex positivity, engaging with sexuality in a healthy way, 
that's really about exploring diversity and that speaks to black women. And so when I was searching around, I came across this account, Sex with Baddies, and I really felt like it covered all of that. And so I was really excited to reach out to you so you could come onto this podcast and speak to me and to everybody else who's listening. So that is how today we have Celine Manning and she runs Sex with Baddies on several online platforms. My personal favorite being Instagram. And I really enjoyed your video on Benoit Balls. What are some more essential sort of like fitness tips that you can share? Yes, definitely. So um um, Kegel balls is definitely one way that you can increase your sexual fitness um, and uh, just moving in general movements. I also do like a little bit of pole dancing in my house to really get into my sensual side. So that will help you with your um, physical ability to do any sexual act that you want and also with kegels you can you don't have to use the kegel balls that you've seen in the video um you can also do kegels we can do kegels right now we can do kegels right before we go to sleep um for me it's just like an intentional way to tone the tone the vaginal walls and to just feel good about yourself because you're doing something for you um it can help kegels can help with orgasms, having um, better orgasms. It can help with pee leakages um, for a lot of people who have children and they may um, suffer, they may go through pee and leaks. It can help with that. It probably won't cure everyone. It's not, it's treat, like, a, like a treatment, more set, I would say. Um, those are some ways that you can increase your set, your sensual fitness. I remember that when I was watching the video, you mentioned that you shouldn't keep the Benoit balls in too long. And I wanted you to share some insights around that. Yeah, so you definitely do not want to keep Kegel balls in for a very long time. Um, you don't want to be... Okay, so you don't want to be tight. You don't want to be tense. Like, that's the that's what I was, like, basically saying. Because when you are in that contracted state... Um, it doesn't it doesn't allow for the full orgasm. So when when you, when you think of orgasm, think of contracting. So in and out, releasing, contracting, all of that good stuff. But when you keep it in there for so long, you're in the walls. They're they're all they're always working. You're sitting down right now. When we get up, mm. our vaginal walls are gonna mm. kind of tense up a little bit. And when you have the Kegel balls in there, that's why you don't have to do anything because you could just be walking around lifting up stuff and your walls are going to be working. Your walls will always be working for you. Um, the balls in all day, they're just going to be coming all day. And that is not one. You want to make sure that you also have a relaxed state. Whenever you're doing your Kegels, you want to, even when you're doing it without the balls, you want to breathe in. You could, when you breathe in mm. and then when you breathe out, that's mm. when you do your Kegel. Um, that's when you like clench your uh, vagina. Mm. I feel like sensual fitness is like other kinds of fitness. You have women that are slim and less fit than women that are larger or bigger. And I think that even with vaginas and specifically with sensual fitness, 
it isn't about tightness because all vaginas are so different. It's just about um, ensuring that there's a level of sensual fitness that allows you the pleasure or rather the optimal pleasure that you can get um, as far as your vagina is concerned, but as well recognizing that it's quite different. Right, most most definitely. Um, and we have to think of where are we getting this like, oh, I want to be tight. Where where are we getting this from? And we're getting it from because we want to please our person, make sure that we are as great as maybe another partner that they have, or we just want to our partner is pleased because of the because all in all in the media you hear oh i want someone with the with with a tight vagina you know you keep on hearing that all you know even when you're talking to your friends oh i got to keep it tight i got to make sure i don't have sex a lot because i got to make sure i please him you know what i'm saying like it's just mm. it's just that narrative and mm. for me i want to like definitely just get rid of that narrative because our vaginas are perfect the way they are um, they're perfect the way they are. We mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to do anything to make it tight. And we have to remember when you're fully aroused, you, your vagina, it opens up space to, um, receive like penetration. That's if we're talking about pen, we're talking about, um, penetrative sex here. Um, your, when you're aroused, your vagina opens, it, it, it gets, it welcomes, it gets, it becomes welcoming. And when you hear, that's really the opposite of the narrative that we hear tight. It's like, no, if we're really aroused, we're gonna get more relaxed. And um, that's totally the opposite of what we hear um, every day in media and stuff like that. So it's just funny how that's kind of like the opposite, but it's so uh, embedded in our psyche. Another of your videos that I absolutely loved was the one on experimenting on positions with intent. And this is coming from me as somebody that tends to really default to the tried, tested and true. Because I feel like with adulting and responsibilities and just so much going on, we are so busy that we just, you know, not only do we forget, but we routine because of that. And anytime we try and like experiment, it can be frustrating if you don't feel like you're doing it right. And so I really appreciated the fact that the video that you shared had such practical ways and practical tips and practical tools to just like experiment and um and do it while still feeling like you can still have the option of sticking to your try tested and true yay i'm so glad that you liked that video it was a video that i was like i have to get it out here because um a lot of people a lot of people are sticking to the same positions and and then a few years or a few months later, they kind of get bored within their sex life. And I just feel like that's just not even fair for for just any sexual relationship that you are in. I feel like it's just not fair because sex sex doesn't have to get boring. There's so, like, if you want, you can explore the kink world. If, you know, you can explore so much. You, you can explore tantric sex, you know, um, which is just the full embodiment of sex from basically from head to toe. Um, um, and it's just like, you, there's so much, there's a wide range of things that we can do, do to make sure that sex doesn't get frustrating because you all don't have time to try anything or, um, you know, you're, when you do try something new and it doesn't work out, you just dismiss that, um, that exploratory moment. However, for me, I've noticed that if, if you're in a relationship 
and um, or just any type of sexual relationship, you, you depending on like how long it is, it doesn't matter. You can incorporate new sex activities into the routine. And I say to to incorporate that at least um, a few times in the relationship. So when it does, so when you do get seasoned um, within that, you will have to fall back on. So like I was saying, like every month, like if you're in a year relationship or two years or three, it really doesn't matter. Just try to do something new every month, every every few months. Make it a tradition. Make it a ritual for you to um to just add something new in your routine so that when sex does start getting a little dull, because it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. Like, sex is probably going to be when you all get comfortable and it's going well. But then after that moment, it's like, okay, we need to try something new. And it's like you can always have something in the bag when you um, when that happens. Because I, I always say, like, do not wait until, like, you're however age you are and you're, like, fed up of sex because you all gave up. Like, don't wait until that. Have something. And then... Follow these sex um, positive pages. Like we we give out we give out a lot of different new things that, that you can do. Like wax play. It could do. It's so much things. So it's like just what sexuality. We have to make sure that we got to keep up with it. We have to keep up with it because it's it's so it's so much a part of our mental wellness than people think. And if we just put some intentions behind really curing the sex life that we want then it's like i'm telling you everyone's sex life will be will be great everyone's sex life will be great so mm. that's kind of how um that's kind of mm. what i was talking about um so yeah <laughs> now i don't know if i speak for a lot of us but during the lockdowns in the pandemic i spent a lot of time eating and masturbating and accounts such as yours was such a great resource in community and just feeling like i wasn't alone is this something that you hear a lot and does it influence your work? Yes, for sure. So, there's a lot of shame around eating and masturbating, honestly. Um, you know, even when we were younger and we were like eating something that we probably, our parents probably were like, no, you shouldn't be eating that. They take that away from us or um, just tell us, oh, don't eat that. You're going to get too big, you know? And it's like, it's a lot of shame. So we, you know, we can't even eat freely. And with masturbating, that that goes, that's definitely one of the taboo things, you know, um, of, you know, with masturbating and even just our private parts, we try to keep them. And um, it's an issue. We don't even like want to talk to anyone because we're, we have this private thing that we don't want no one to talk about. And um, masturbating is something that is private. And when you, and when you are the one that's, you know, masturbating and pleasing yourself, you, you just, tend, people will tend to feel a lot of shame because they're just like, why am I even doing this? <laughs> what is, what is pleasure? You know, pleasure gets missed. Like pleasure gets missed when it comes to like solo pleasing because there are uh, in society, it's definitely not normalized for a woman to indulge in those behaviors. It's mm. not normalized at all. It's like, mm. I don't think, I think, uh, um, I remember days when, oh, like a girl chats with some friends. Masturbating was not something that was girl talk. It was not brought up. It was, 
Oh yeah. Um, I just, you know, I just I, last night it was so cool it was me and this boy you know it was kind of like talking like that mm. and with me i wasn't really having sex mm. i wasn't really having sex i wasn't doing my definitely solo you know doing some solo work you know and it was just like okay uh, from that conversation is like one can feel disconnected um so with masturbating and eating it's like i definitely with my account i be sure to to make sure to tell my audience masturbating is for you solo pleasing is for you it's 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 okay it's okay don't feel shamed because you want to please yourself pleasure is made for us like there is power in pleasure you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um taking care of yourself because mm -hmm. a lot of people when they don't when they don't know how to please themselves they resort to going to someone to please them and that could be a totally fine it, that could be totally fine but it's not when you're um when you are looking for someone to please you however th that person treats you poorly that person doesn't respect you you know um you know it's just like that person you know isn't is not eating for you at all now i don't now i want that i don't want you to get that confused the audience people i do not want you all to get it confused with hooking up you know hooking up is different you know that you're in a situation that um you kind of have to make sure that you are responsible, but it's, it's so, for me, it saddens me when, um, people are, just want some type of intimacy and they go looking outside for it when intimacy is really within. And that is something that I try to, uh, share with my audience, like masturbating is nothing. There's nothing obscure about mas masturbating. You know, it's an intimate moment with yourself that you should honor. Um, so I definitely, um, go approach. I approach my my audience with uh, a positive vibe when it comes to any type of like pleasure. So if it's eating, you know, if you, if you are eating and you're quarantine eating and and you're still exercising and you're still doing, you know, everything that you need to do, it's like you know, give yourself permission to 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 please yourself in that way. As long as it's not like, as long as it's not hurting you in any way, or if it's not a total change in your like life routine you know eating is normal so it's like um i definitely push uh body positivity fitness um solo pleasure and all of that because we deserve that we deserve to have autonomy over our the way we want to live our life so that's how i approach it ah <laughs> oh, i love it so much and i know that you're not seeing me but i am Definitely nodding along. I appreciate you too. I really thank you for um, opening up this opportunity for me, um, especially you know we're in we're in two different <laughs> countries, so it's just like bridging that gap um, really made me happy and really made me feel like okay, like I this word can can be spread because sometimes um, with sex it's like uh, it's like you have your community, but it, because it's still so taboo in the world, it's like. How can I get it out there on Instagram? We can't advertise for anything, um, you know, but so it's just like, it's really nice for you to open up this space for me. And I thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for listening all the way to this point. This was episode one of The Catalyst. Thank you so much to Tayomi. Thank you so much to Celine. Do subscribe. Do join us two weeks from now when we'll be having episode two, which will
will be all about women and leadership. So definitely look out for that as well. Set in the style, no, it is what it is. Trouble, you knew high. Good vibes when we get.